this morning, I get to start off with a story. I wanted to show you a picture, but I, I didn't because it would make my story all the more worse. I, I even called my Nana because I was trying to remember the story exactly, and she helped. She, she was very good at all of the details of the story. So uh, my Nana and Granddad are from here. They're, um, they've lived in the Wairapa most of their lives. My Granddad passed away, I think, about six or seven years ago. But my Granddad's favorite story to tell about me was this one that I'm about to share with you. So when, I must have been about probably eight, maybe seven or eight years old, and um, my, my Nana and Granddad were visiting in the States. We lived in Tucson, Arizona. It's the middle of the desert over there. Um, there's, there's wild animals, scorpions and snakes, coyotes, bobcats, mountain lions. That's just well-known. Tarantulas, there's black widows. Like, it's known that there's like gnarly animals. That's half the reason we're here. We're escaping all of those animals. There's a lot of gnarly animals there. And so one of my chores was to go and to take the trash out or the rubbish. So I'd take the rubbish and I'd have to go out and, and so in Tucson, there's alleyways behind all the houses. I don't think they have that as much here, but there's alleyways behind the houses and the, and the trash trucks or the, the dump trucks, the rubbish trucks, whatever we want to call them. Archer and Bennett love them when they come to the house. They, they drive behind your house. They don't go in front of your house. And so you, you have to go and dump your trash in the back. So my job was to go and jump, uh, jump, to dump the, the rubbish in the back. And so I remember it was coming on dusk. And so I'm telling you it was coming on dusk just so you can give me a little bit more credit than I deserve. It was coming on, it was coming on dusk, and so it was, it was maybe getting a little bit dark, and it was my job to, to take the trash out. And so I, I, was, I was happy up until I got to the gate, and then I got to the gate, and I realized I'm going out into the wild. Um, and behind our house, there was no other houses. There was this big, open, empty desert space. And so during the day when it was full daylight hours, we loved exploring back there. Um, but at night, it was a little bit scary. And so I, I came around the corner of the gate, and, and then I saw it, and I ran. I turned back around. I don't remember if I left the, tra- the, the rubbish there, but I ran. Slammed the gate behind me. Ran inside, and I think my, my, my nana and my granddad were looking after me at the time. And they could see that I was trying to keep it cool, but there, there was something out there. And um, my granddad said, what did you see? He said, I, I said, I think there might have been a bobcat or a leopard or a mountain lion. I'm not sure. It was, it was some feline something. And he said, well, let's go have a look together. And so I walked with him, behind him, as he, I let him go first. And he walked around the gate, and there was a little house cat that was wandering. And it kept wandering, and it kept wandering by. And, um, and, and he looked at me, and he said, is that, is that the cat? And I said, I, I think it was. And so he's never let me live down that, that story. He, it was one of his favorite stories to tell. He loved that I was chased in by this cat. I, it's not one of my favorite stories. But can I tell you that when I was little, and even when I was not so little, I was afraid of everything. I was, I was, I was just terrified, and I don't even know why. I was just afraid of everything. I would, if I had to go and deliver something across the road at night, I'd, I'd, you know, we had our neighbors. My mom wanted me to take something. Like, I ran faster than Usain Bolt to try and get across the, the little the street. And it was just across the street. My mom was probably watching me the entire time. I remember... I, I was just afraid of everything. I was sort of afraid of dogs. I was afraid of witches. I was afraid of uh, being beaten up. I was afraid of being bullied. I was afraid of so many things. I remember I was walking down the road one time. I was in middle school, and there were some guys at my school that, that I didn't even know. I was so afraid they were just going to see me, and I don't even know what they're going to do. I don't know if they're going to Superman jump across the road and 
karate kick me in the face, or I, I don't know what. But I, I just started speeding up, and my mom said, where in the world are you going? I said, not here. I'm, I'm out of here. I was terrified of everything. And that cat leopard, I don't know what that thing was. I was afraid that if any of those things would happen, they would define me. I was afraid that those things, if they were to happen, which later on in life and early in life, there's a lot of things that happen. I think things happen in all of our lives. You can't avoid pain. You can't avoid hurt. You can't avoid, you can't avoid those kinds of things where you get into a place that you would rather not be. You get into a place of the things that you might have feared. They're going to come along. The problem was I thought that they were going to define me. But it wasn't until I was much older when I confronted somebody that had really hurt myself and my family and I confronted them and I didn't back down. At that moment was when freedom came for me. It was at that moment when freedom from fear truly came and broke off of my life. And I was thinking about it this morning and I almost got um, I almost got too set free of fear. Fear is sometimes healthy. I was on the basketball court one time where sometimes I can get very competitive. And um, somebody kept stepping on my shoes. And they were much larger than me. And they'd fought a lot of people. And they were much larger than me. And, and I was almost ready to go and, and, and address them. My brother had to step in and say, listen, fear is a healthy thing, my friend. But it was that moment when freedom broke off, when freedom came for me. And I want you to hear this. It wasn't the presence of chains or the hurt that I had received that defined who I was. It's really important to hear this. It's not the chains that you're bound by, and it's not the hurt that you've experienced that defines who you are. But rather, what defined me was a greater reality. There was a greater reality of a God who had purchased my freedom already. He simply had a path for me to walk into that freedom. Now, where I thought that those things were binding me and stopping me from achieving freedom, they were, in fact, simply just the stepping stones that God was using to take me to freedom. You can't get to freedom by avoiding or ignoring the chains or the hurts. But you need to know that the reality of your chains are superseded, are greater by the reality of Jesus and his kingdom. It is so important to catch this. I was saved since I was five, and yet I walked in fear, a lot of fear, for probably 15 years. The presence of being saved doesn't take sometimes the chains away. But your chains have a greater reality, and that greater reality is the fact that Jesus has already purchased your freedom. Regardless of what chains are on you, regardless of what chains are on the person next to you or the family member that you've been praying for, or the coworker that you can't stand when you get to work and you wish they would just go somewhere else, the reality of those chains 
is that Jesus has already purchased our freedom and their freedom. I'm going to look at a story this morning, and I hope that it encourages you. And I always find that there's so many things in the Bible that the Bible just preaches for itself. And so we're just going to look at a piece of Scripture this morning and hopefully look at this idea of staying free. And I've said staying free because as you accept Jesus... Your purchase, your freedom has been purchased then and there. He's already done it. As you accept Jesus, you are free. You are made the righteousness of Jesus. How many of us believe that? Amen? Then why is it that so many of us get bound so quickly and so fast? That's why we're talking about staying free. Because you've all, if you've accepted Jesus, have been made free. Now we're going to talk about the fact that he has purchased, it says in uh, 2 Timothy... Our freedom, yeah, I'll just get it exactly. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. I love that. It's 1 Timothy 2.6. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. So let's jump into our story. The story is about Peter. Love Peter. He's bold. He's strong. But he had this prophecy said to him by Jesus. And I tell you, and it's in Matthew 16, 18, he says, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's important that we look, before we even jump into our story, at this thing that was told to Peter. Because the things that have been told to you and prophesied over you and that God has spoken to you in the quiet places or the loud places are the things that we need to remember And we're going to come back to this idea of what staying free looks like. But Jesus has told Peter that on you I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's interesting because Peter found himself in jail, imprisoned, uh, and embattled not just once, not twice. He, He was in and out of jail. This guy was attacked and he was beaten. It's so interesting because a lot of us, when we get beaten or when we get thrown into jail, the proverbial jail, when we get put in chains, we all of a sudden think that we've lost and that we're outside of what we should be doing and we don't know how to get out. And that's the thing that I want to look at this morning is staying free. Because if we have a, a guy like Peter who was able to be put in chains then when we're in chains, we need, to not stop, we need to stop feeling sorry for ourselves that we're in chains and look at how do we get out of these chains? How do we stay free? And the story is going to be in Acts 12. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. Laid violent hands. How many of you like a chill life? I, I really do. I like to chill. I like to watch a really good movie. If I can, I like to go surfing as long as the surf isn't too rough, but not too, too little either. Just I want to chill. I want to hang out. But how many of you know that, that the kingdom of darkness, that the enemy is not chilling? That we often want our lives to be chill, but there is a reality in the kingdom of darkness that is not chill. I love the expression, laid violent hands on Peter. It, he didn't lay, lay soft hands on him and say, I would like to suggest that maybe you would come with us. Possibly, if that's, that's okay with you, if you have time. The reality that there's a kingdom of darkness that wants to lay violent hands on all of us is there. We have to understand that to understand why it's so important to, to, to stay free, etc. 
There's no gentle chains, is what I've put here. There are no gentle chains. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword, and when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. I love Peter being arrested here because he was unlawfully arrested. He had done no wrong, just as Jesus had done no wrong. And what I would like to suggest to you, regardless if you think it or not, you have been unlawfully bound, if you're bound by anything. Because Jesus has already purchased your freedom. The penalty for whatever you've done has already been purchased. It's so important to, it's so important to catch hold of this very subtle thought. We can understand it up here, but again, it's always about letting it come in here. Peter was unlawfully bound. He is a free man who is supposed to be free. I think there's a whole lot of Christians that are bound, that are supposed to be free. As Jesus has purchased our freedom at such great cost, our freedom has already been bought. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. And when Herod had seized him, he put him in prison delivering him over to four squads of soldiers, because one wasn't enough, to guard him. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. There's, there's just three things that I've pulled out of this story, and I'm sure there's many more that we could pull out, that I think might help us as anchors for how we can stay free. And the first principle, and I think it always has to be the first principle in staying free, is simple and yet profound. Simple and yet profound, and it's the power of prayer. It's to pray. That has to be our first response when we notice that chains are starting to wrap themselves around us, or that we see chains starting to come around somebody that we love. Prayer is the first course of action that we need to jump into. It has to be our first response to chains. There's two things that prayer does. Well, I'm sure there's a lot more things that prayer does than that. But first and foremost, we need God's perspective on the chains. You need to know this perspective of heaven on the chains that have come around you. And you need his intervention. When we try and tackle our chains by ourselves is when we're in a big, we're in, we're in a big problem. When we try and go too early for our chains, we need his perspective to see what is God doing in and through the situation. We need his perspective and we need his intervention. But I love the type of prayer that the church made for Peter as he was bound. It says earnest prayer with sincere and intense conviction. This is not just God set me free because I'm bound. Help me out. Chill Jesse can't be chill when it comes to, to chains coming over me, when it comes to chains coming over my family. We have to transcend the culture that says we're contained and we're bound when we have to offer sincere and intense conviction of prayer. Are you at that place for yourself? Are you at that place for those that you're longing to see set free because we need to be? The first step of staying free is prayer. That has to be our first course of action. And again, just even going back to what I shared with the pursuing purpose, I don't think our role up here is to instruct. I think our role is to just remind simply of things that most of us have already heard before. I've heard so many messages preached on the power of prayer, and yet I've still been in so many situations where I haven't prayed to start off, and I wish I would have. 
I would just encourage you, this isn't an instruction. This is reminding of the power of prayer and that prayer has to precede anything that we do, and especially when chains, chains come on board. I, I, I think it's just the way that God works, but as I was preparing this message all week, I can tell you that there was different circumstances in my life where I needed to apply every single one of the things that I talked about, and I was so grateful that God had brought this up this week so that I had these tools in my tool belt to navigate issues that I didn't want to be navigating. Power of prayer. I love this. I saw this song for the very first time, but this is the bridge of this song. And it says, when the lies speak louder than the truth, remind me I belong to you. When the lies speak louder than the truth, remind me I belong to you. When I can't see past the dark of night, remind me you're always by my side. How powerful is that? I can very honestly say that sometimes the lies for me are yelling. The lies are a lot louder than the truth sometimes. The power of prayer is going to the source of someone that can remind me that I belong to Him. And that when I can't see past the dark of night, I shouldn't stumble aimlessly into the dark, but I should go to the one who can give me perspective. I should go to the one who has power to change the situation that he can remind me that I'm not going into the darkness alone, but that he's right by my side. I just thought that was such a good lyric. Verse 6. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night. I love that. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out, and he just killed James, and so he's probably going to do the same to Peter. And Herod was just really enjoying himself bothering the Christians because it was making him really popular with the people around. On the very night, that's a word for somebody in here that's worried that God has missed the timing, that his timing is perfect, that he knows exactly what you need when you need it. It wasn't the night after, it was on the very night. Time frames don't bother God, his timing is perfect. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. He was bound with two chains, and sentries were before the door, were guarding the prison. I feel like that would almost have the opposite effect on me. I would feel so great if so many people felt like there was this need to protect me. I'm like, I'm, I'm doing well in life. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. I think it's so important that we stop and look at what, it, what is that saying? That the number of chains that are on your life, that are on a friend's life, that are on somebody that you're walking through, the level of complexity of the chains that you're walking through have no bearing on the great I am. It doesn't matter what excuse someone comes up with. It doesn't matter how layered. It doesn't matter how much abuse or how much abuse you've given. It doesn't matter the level or the complexity of the chains that you're walking in because it is superseded by a reality that Jesus has already purchased our freedom. I don't know about you, but maybe I'm the only one that when it feels like I've taken a step in the wrong direction, it feels like I might as well take another step in the wrong direction. I might as well take another step in the wrong direction. It doesn't matter how complex and how far you think you may have gone. There's a reality that supersedes the complexity of what your situation is. 
We need to see a group of people rising up in the freedom that has already been purchased for us so that we can be a light to this community, so that we can be a light to those around us. If we're still bound in some of our chains, it's going to be really difficult to do that. There is a reality that supersedes. And this is a word that I just feel God to continue to impress. It doesn't matter how hard you think it is to fix it. And I'm not saying it's going to be an easy solution. God, God knows the complexity of every situation. But there is hope for every situation, for every person here. We have to take hold of the hope that Jesus has for us. If you don't understand that, then staying free is going to stay a, a wishful thinking kind of statement. But staying free is possible. But you need to know that the complexity of your chains are not beyond the freedom that Jesus has purchased for you. That gets me excited because I know how many people are bound. I know how easy it is to get bound. I know that the lies, when the lies speak louder than the truth, we oftentimes believe the lies and we oftentimes are defined by the lies. We live into a mentality of fear where we're afraid of every living, walking thing where a cat becomes a leopard. We need Christians that are not seeing leopards anymore. We need to see cats when we're walking out. The complexity of your chains allow for a more miraculous intervention. Remember when I said jokingly, I, I, would, I, I enjoy when there's, a, I, I would feel great if there's all these chains around me. I must be somebody important. Well, the level of your chains gives for an opportunity for a more miraculous intervention, and your testimony of the great I am is going to be even greater. Look at it as an opportunity, not as a chains. Rejoice. In persecution, the Bible says, you can rejoice in it if you see it as the opportunity that it is for his name to be made great. Rejoice. It's hard to do sometimes in the face of very dark things. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. I love this. He struck Peter. I mean, when I'm praying for freedom... I appreciate that God was there. But why do you think he struck him? He could have gently woken me up. It's like how Angie wakes me up. She strikes me. Wake up. If I'm snoring, probably, I think. She's not here, so I can say that. She's out in the preschool. You know, one of the things why I think maybe he struck him is this. How was Peter placed into, into jail? He was placed with violent hands that were laid on him. Can I tell you that we have a God that is strong, that is going to come and he's going he's to bring you with as much force, if not more, out of the chains that you think bound you so strongly. I don't know about you, but I know that at many times in my life, at, at different aspects, I thought my chains, my personal chains were so much stronger than anything that God had. I had no understanding of God. Why does it feel like these chains are so strong? Why does it feel like I'm never going to get out of these chains? Can I tell you there's a reality that supersedes your chains that is stronger than your chains? And it's going to come and he's going to strike at the thing that has been breaking you and has been, has been holding you. I put in my notes here, when it's time to go, it's time to go. On, he struck Peter on the side, and he said, get up quickly. The second um, major thought that I'd like to look at today is, is, first we have pray. The next one rhymes, because rhyming is just cool, is obey. Pray and obey. 
It might seem oversimplistic to you. And it, and it could even seem oversimplistic to me, except for the fact that we so often don't do it. Obey. Get up quickly. Staying free is about listening to the Holy Spirit. There's no time to chill out in your chains. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. How funny is it that, like, there are still things for us to do. I think it's so important that we latch on to this concept, this idea. Out of all of the miraculous things, an angel appears. And he's, he's right here in this house. And he, he struck you, and so you're a little bit mad about that, but then you get over it because you realize it's an angel. He says, get up quickly, and you're, it's a bit abrasive, but all right, I'll do it. He says, dress yourself and put on your sandals. It doesn't matter how miraculous God's intervention is. He's always going to have you be part of what you need to do to get set free. There's always going to be, do th- there's always going to be your part of the equation to walk into that. It is so important because I can tell you that I personally looked at my chains and I wondered, God, when in the world are you going to do something? God, when in the world are you going to magically take these, aw- these things away and make my life wonderful again? But remember what I said the things that I thought were binding me were simply the stepping stones to what God was actually going to take me into to attain freedom. The very chains that you think are the things that are keeping you there are the stepping stones for your story to come to freedom. It's so important that we reconceptualize and get a new perspective on what our chains are. We need to start seeing the things that we're bound by as opportunities for God's kingdom to come into your life. As soon as you see this as an opportunity for God to do the miraculous, we can then engage and follow in. But we have to obey. When the Holy Spirit is leading you to do something, when you read something in the Word, you have to obey. Otherwise, you're just going to be going off at the wrong time, at the wrong place. When it's time to go, it's time to go. I wrote this. He still requires for us to participate. If we don't do our part, God will not force us to freedom. I think a lot of us think that God is going to all of a sudden, we're going to wake up one day and that thing's gone. That person has just, has just changed their mind. They woke up and they say, you know what, Jesse was right all along. Or I'm going to wake up and the thing that has been bothering, it's just going to be gone. I think God can do the miraculous. I think he can do that. My faith is big enough to see God do whatever he wills. But he will not force us to freedom. He partners with us to freedom. Peter did so. He did what the angel said. And the angel said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and he followed him. I wrote this. Staying free is not about wandering around aimlessly. Or going where you think the best way is, but it is about following Jesus where he leads. It can be really hard to follow Jesus, and it can not make sense at times when you think, I should be turning right, and he's leading me to turn left. But it's in obeying him. It's in following where he leads that we can be led to freedom. And and there's a whole other messages on trust and, and, and just trusting in him. But we have to obey And I love this line that it says in the scripture. He said, Peter did not know that was being done by the angel was real. What a phenomenal thought. 
Peter wasn't aware that he was actually being set free. Peter was not staying up to play with what God was doing. Why is that so important? Why is that something that jumped out to me? I think it's because this. We don't often know what God is doing. We have to be faithful to pray and then obey and go where he's leading because he's already in the process of setting you free before you're aware of it. It's so important for us to catch this because if we're not obeying, then we're not going to be in the place where he needs us to be to continue setting us free. Peter was not aware that what was being done was real. It can feel far off, but your freedom isn't dependent on how you feel or your understanding of the situation. Your job is simply to follow. Peter thought that he was seeing a vision. And when they had passed the first guard and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. This thought was the thought that probably grabbed me the most out of this entire passage. How many of you have walked out of chains only to be met by the first guard? When all of a sudden you were free, but now there's, there's, this, there's this next line of defense to get through. This problem has come back again. This situation is rearing its ugly head again. But you were just set free. But, but it's here again. Here's the, the first guard. But you get through the first guard. You've got a couple of victories behind you. You now get to the second guard. Man, is this issue ever going to go away, Jesus? Lord, I thought, my goodness, you need to handle this child over here. Only to get through the second guard to come to the iron gate. How many of you have come to the iron gate and been dismayed? This thing that, God, I've seen some small victories, but my goodness, there's still, there's still an iron gate in front of me. That's hard. I've come to the iron gate many times. I wanted to read you something from one of Charles Spurgeon's messages. It was titled, God's Mighty Acts. When people hear about what God used to do, one of the things they say is, oh, that was a very long while ago. I thought it was God that did it. Has God changed? Is he not an immutable God, the same yesterday, today, and forever? Does not that furnish an argument to prove that what God has done at one time, he can do at another Nay, I think I may push it a little further and say what he has done once is a prophecy of what he intends to do again. Whatever God has done is to be looked upon as a precedent. Let us with earnestness seek God, seek that God would restore to us the faith of the men of old, that we may richly enjoy his grace as in the days of old. When they came to the iron gate leading into the city, the Bible says that the gate opened of its own accord. The gate opened by itself. We've got a miraculous intervention. But I think that when many of us get to the gate, we don't realize that God is going to do that which we cannot do. We don't realize that it was already miraculous that he set us free the first time. And if every person in here agrees that you've already been set free when you came to Jesus, then if you get bound again, you already have a precedent to relax upon saying that he's already done it in your life. 
And if he's already done something in your life, if he's already set you free from something, that sets the precedent that he can, not only that he can, but he will set you free again. The key to staying free is you need to pray first, get his perspective, get his intervention, obey, follow him where he leads. But the last one is this, stand firm. The gate opened of its own accord. Stand firm. Galatians 5.1 says this, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Powerful scriptures. Is Paul talking to non-believers or to, Christi- to those that don't know Jesus? No. He's directly addressing the believers. What does that infer? That a lot of them are still in slavery. A lot of them have gone back to slavery. But Jesus has purchased freedom for everyone. Stand firm and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And they went out along one street and immediately the angel left him. If God has set you free once, then you need no more motivation or proof for him to do it again. That is his promise to you, that he can set you free, and not only that he can, but he will. I was talking to somebody recently that they had something very good come into their lives, and then something vacated their lives, and they they defaulted back to this place that they probably didn't want to be in, and they were stuck in some things that they didn't want to be in, and they'd been doing so well. And they saw this thing that had come into their life that was the catalyst for them going back to some of the chains that were around them. They saw that as the thing that was sending them back to their chains. But in fact, I I encourage this person to look at that very, very differently. To say that that wonderful thing coming into their life was not to send them back to their chains, but it's to be a promise that that's what God has for them in their future. Identify the things that have brought you to your chains and see where God is wanting to change your perspective on how you're going to those chains instead of him. God has purchased freedom for everyone. I love this story. I'm just going to share it very briefly. Um, who's seen Free State of Jones? I know Murray, I was in the theater when Murray saw it. Neville Blair was there. I took my buddy Jono. It was a really good movie. I enjoyed it a lot. There's, there's this, and so it's in the Civil War. It's in the time of slavery. And there's this moment where it gets very tense. And, the, and uh, th- this group of people are fighting against actually both sides. They find themselves not on either side of the war. And they're in this, what's called the free state of Jones, that they take in territory of their own in the middle of the Civil War in America. And, and there's, there's slaves that had run away. So black slaves that had run away. And some of them still had their chains on them physically. There's this really gnarly one where this guy had a big chain on his neck, and he ran away with the chain still around his neck. And there was also a number of white soldiers that had deserted the war, and they no longer wanted to fight for um, the different sides. And they were all fighting together. But there comes this scene where they start to fight together. And they're not physically fighting, but fighting's about to, to break out. And the issue is around the African-Americans being treated equally with the other white people, and they were fighting right alongside them. And I love, I love what uh, Matthew McConaughey, who's, who plays the main character, his character says this. He, he ends the argument immediately, and I think it's so powerful. He asked the man, he asked the black, the black man, are you a slave still? 
And he responds, no, I'm not. And Matthew McConaughey asks him, why are you not a slave anymore? And he says this. He says, you can't own a child of God. You can't own a child of God. Can I just prophetically declare that over this group of people today, that you cannot be owned? That the chains that you think have had your number don't. Because you can't be owned because you're a child of God. That's a powerful thought to think on. Because a huge part of staying free is not wishful thinking, but it's understanding that you are a child of God. And one of the things that comes with being a child of God is that you cannot be owned. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. You can't own a child of God. There's a song. Do you know the song, No Longer Slaves, by Bethel, I think? There's some words that says, we've been liberated from our bondage. We're the sons and the daughters. Let us sing our freedom. And the chorus goes, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Being called sons and daughters of the king is not some like nice thing we sing on Sunday mornings and be like, oh man, that feels just so great. I'm going to have like a really nice room in his palace one day. Like I'm a prince or princess. It means that you can't be owned by the things that you think own you. It means that you have a king who is far stronger than any chains that are around you. It means that you already have someone that has superseded the reality that you or a loved one is already living in. That he has purchased freedom for everyone. It doesn't say for some people. It says for everyone. It doesn't matter the complexity of what you're in. It says for everyone. That is good news. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Our freedom has been purchased at the highest cost. We don't have to purchase our freedom. We do need to understand that we are free, regardless of any chains on us. Do you know that there was still chains around this man's neck who said, I am not a slave? What a powerful idea that you can still have chains on you and yet not be captive. Can I declare that we can be a group of people that can have chains on us, but our chains do not define us? The reality of what Jesus has done for us defines us. But we can walk out of that as well. The things that you think are binding you are simply the stepping stones to your freedom. This is the last part, and we'll close. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod, And from all that the Jewish people were expecting. The expectations of others, or even yourself, do not define what God is going to do in your life. The expectations of others, or even yourself, does not define what what God is going to do in your life or the status of your captivity. Every single person that you think maybe you yourself or the person next to you is bound, I want you to change your perspective and recognize that even though I might see chains, I know there's a reality that's higher, that God has already purchased the freedom for this person, and he's purchased it for me. I don't care how many people, I don't care if it's your mom and your dad and your brother and your sister and every single person around you says that you're this way, you're always going to be this way, even if you tell yourself, I'm always going to be this, I'm always going to be stuck in this, I can never kick it. 
Did you notice, what does the scripture say? He says, now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. This was not one or two people that were expecting him to, to, to get killed the same way that James had just been killed. There was a whole people expecting this to go a certain way. Can I tell you that there's a whole people oftentimes expecting you to go a certain way? You don't have to go that way. And in fact, God is not going to take you down that way. And it's going to be that very fact that what everybody's expecting that's going to turn into the thing that's going to evangelize and be the testimony and be the light to everyone when you couldn't possibly have been a different way. Can I tell you that people that knew me when I was younger and when I was scared, they honestly are like, what's wrong with you? Where did you get this amount of boldness from? Where did you get this confidence from? It's not from anything that I did. I can tell you. I was scared. I would run across the street. I was afraid of that that demon cat. But can I tell you, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. We have to be bearers of this thing. This message is what the world needs to hear. That you don't have to be bound even though you see chains around you. We have to carry this sound, and to carry this sound, we have to be walking in the sound. Amen? We are not bound by others' expectations of us or your own expectation. Staying free. Pray. Get his perspective. Obey. Follow him where he's leading. He will not lead you at the wrong time. On that very night is when he came through. Stand firm. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Stand firm. We have a part in the equation. We need to recognize he's already purchased your freedom. That which you're fighting for, that which you already have chains around you has already been done. Follow him out past the first squad and the second squad. And when you come to the iron gate, you keep walking. Because the iron gate will open of its own accord. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we we recognize that it's you that does this. Father, we recognize that it's you that opens the gate of its own accord. Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray that you would just, you would minister your spirit to your people. Father, I pray for new perspective in this place around the chains that have, that have come against us or that have come against our families' lives or our loved ones' lives. Lord, we pray for those that are bound in addiction. Lord, we pray that those are, that are bound in depression, those that are bound in the different things that come against us, Jesus, and that put us in prisons today. Father, we speak that the chains are going to start falling off as you come in, Jesus, and you lead us out. Lord, let us first go to you to get your perspective. But Lord, let us also have hearts to serve and obey you where you lead. Let us not walk aimlessly around knowing that you can and truly have already purchased our freedom. Lord, I declare your blood over your people this morning, that you sent your son to die for us, Jesus, and that your blood is still just as powerful today as it's ever been. Father, I declare prophetically for every single person here that if you've been set free once, that's the testament that you're going to be set free again. You need no further proof. If he's already done it, he's going to do it again. Jesus, I speak an atmosphere of faith in this place. Lord, let us connect with who you are and what you're calling us to. Lord, let us be a light that can bring this light to the world that says you're not bound. Father, get rid of our language that says we're bound. Get rid of our language that's declaring other people are bound. And let us say that you've purchased freedom for everyone. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, we just speak a release of your spirit. Lord, we are free. And we are going to be staying free. In the mighty name of Jesus, all of God's people said, Amen.
Bless you all very much. Enjoy this week. Be that light that we keep talking about. Okay, bless you guys.